It's 8.30. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. The governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, says he'll launch an aggressive COVID-19 antibody testing campaign next week to identify how many people in the state have been infected. Speaking at his daily briefing, Mr Cuomo said the test had been approved by the US Food and Drug Administration and up to 14,000 people would be tested every week. We're going to be rolling it out to do the largest survey of any state population that has been done. And we'll take thousands of antibody tests over this next week all across the state to give us a real snapshot, a real baseline of exactly how many people were infected by coronavirus and have the antibodies. The latest coronavirus figures from Turkey show it now has more cases than China. It registered nearly 4,000 new cases in 24 hours, bringing the total to more than 86,000. It means Turkey now has more cases than any other country in Asia. 127 people have died in a day, and the number since the start of the outbreak has passed 2,000. In a message apparently aimed at his Hindu nationalist supporters, the Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi says COVID-19 doesn't see race, religion, colour or caste before striking. In a tweet, Mr Modi called for unity and brotherhood in the face of the pandemic. The measure follows a surge in anti-Muslim rhetoric from his supporters on social media, blaming Muslims for spreading the virus. India has recorded nearly 18,000 cases of the coronavirus with more than 550 deaths. The BBC's Yogita Lamai is in Delhi. We're now in our fourth week of lockdown and it will continue until the 3rd of May. Doctors and health experts I've been speaking to have told me that the shutdown has reduced the burden on hospitals to some extent. But some of these frontline workers have also told us that it's not possible to assess the real scale of the outbreak in the country because it's not testing enough. India's government insists it has enough supplies of testing kits to last for a few more weeks at least. Italy has registered another drop in the number of deaths with coronavirus and a further slowing of infections. The latest daily bulletin recorded 433 deaths, around 50 fewer than the previous day. The rate of increase in new daily infections also halved. France also showed signs of making headway against the disease with slightly more coronavirus patients being discharged from hospital than coming in for treatment. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry and Meghan, have told a group of Britain's tabloid newspapers that they're to end all forms of cooperation with them. Here's the BBC's David Silito. It's no secret that the Duke and Duchess, Harry and Meghan, have had a difficult relationship with large parts of the press. They have already withdrawn from the royal rotor system, and this letter lays out the new rules of engagement. They will no longer deal in any way with the Mail, the Sun, the Mirror and the Express newspapers. This is, they say, not a blanket policy, as they will continue to work with a wide variety of other media. But it means there will be, in their words, zero engagement with papers it accuses of distorted, false and invasive coverage. The statement comes just days before a scheduled hearing in the Duchess of Sussex's ongoing privacy case against associated newspapers, the publishers of the Daily Mail and Mail Online. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chivers and your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. We're going to be talking politics in the first part of the programme today after the arrest of 15 figures from the pan-democratic camp on Saturday for their roles in unlawful protests last year and a developing dispute over Article 22 and its applicability to the Liaison Office and the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office and their work here. This comes after the Hong Kong government published three statements on the issue within hours, sparking confusion about the setting up of the Liaison Office and whether it's bound by the article. The SAR administration ultimately sided with the office's contention the, that it's not subject to Article 22 restrictions against mainland interference. We want to hear your thoughts on the arrests and that controversy. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bank Chat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us or give us a call, 233-88266 is the number. And uh, we hope to be joined soon. We are joined now in our central studio by the Civic Party Chairman uh, Alan Lung. Uh, others will be joining us. Michael Tin will be joining us uh, later in the programme uh, after nine o'clock. Uh, a few thoughts first from uh, from the listeners uh, on these uh, on the political issues. Uh, first of all, Phil B says, "I was not surprised to see that Martin Lee and his conspirators were eventually arrested. His actions over the past nine months are deplorable. He should rightly be ashamed for what he has incited and." Provoked. However, I suspect his left-wing idealistic views will never allow him to realise the damage he's done to our society and the youth, falsely assuming that the damage and destruction cause justifies his endgame. Once a role model of our youth, but now a traitor to them, Martin Lee is now an embarrassment to his profession and has ruined the lives of so many young people who have committed violent crimes in our city of Hong Kong. I applaud our Commissioner of Police. Well done, Mr Tang for upholding the rule of law and the values of our city. Everyone stay safe. That comes from Phil B. And Andrew Kay says, glad to see the police have arrested these hooligans and put them in jail. Why do they think they can break the law with impunity? Are their views so important? I don't think so. Everything has consequences. I hope long hair enjoys his haircut. Uh, Louise says, uh, after the arrests of the pro-democracy leaders, I was wondering if any of your listeners who have been on the march would be inclined to turn themselves in. Sadly, I didn't make it to that particular demonstration, but it would be interesting to see what would happen if a few tens of thousands of demonstrators turned up at the police station to surrender themselves. This comes from Louise. And uh, finally in this section, David says, um, uh, the arrest of 15 Democratic leaders on Saturday, including prominent and respected barriers, bar barristers Martin Lee and Margaret Ng, is extremely worrying and doesn't bode well for the future of Hong Kong. This comes at a time when we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic and close on the heels of the interference by the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office and the Liaison Office into the Legislative Council. The denial by the police commissioner that the arrests are political is unbelievable. His personal attacks on Martin Lee show just how political the force has become. The claim by the Liaison Office that the two agencies are not not circumscribed by Article 22 uh, of the Basic Law, is staggering. The independence of the judiciary, rule of law and the one country, two systems has suffered numerous assaults since the handover from Britain in '97. but this could be the final blow from which Hong Kong never recovers. I remember August, uh, 18th of August uh, 2019 very well. It was bucketing down with rain and yet millions of Hong Kong citizens, estimated 1.7 million, braved the terrible conditions to make their voices heard peacefully. Victoria Park couldn't hold the millions so they spilt out onto the roads of Hong Kong. This shows the tremendous spirit
spirit and solidarity of the Hong Kong people. And yet the Hong Kong government has not listened and is now embarking on vindictive prosecutions which will embroil Hong Kong in bitterness for months and years to come. At this very time, the Hong Kong government should be working with the people in harmony to fight the COVID-19 virus and restore the economy, instead of which we are likely to lose the special status afforded uh, under the United States Hong Kong Policy Act. It will be difficult to attract international investors as Hong Kong will be perceived as a tin-pot regime controlled by an authoritarian communist dictatorship. That comes from David. Thank you very much. Mike. Yes, well, I think we should say hello to Alan. Thank you, for Alan, for coming in to our QGO studio. It is always my pleasure. Um, the 15. Uh, bandits, heroes, they've all been arrested. Uh, isn't that what civil dis disobedience is in designed to achieve? Oh, civil disobedience. I see. So you are saying that uh, they should... Uh, actually be arrested so as to complete the whole operation or modus operandi of civil disobedience. Is that what you're saying, Mike? Well, I'm, I'm just asking because people, uh, sometimes they do this knowingly, don't they? They, they say we have a, a cause that we want to advertise, that we want to gain publicity for, that we feel strongly about, so we'll, we'll do something that's against the law. We'll all sit together and block roads, or we'll all we'll have a march that isn't authorised, or or something, and then uh, they expect to be arrested, and then they make statements in the dock uh, they, to gain the publicity that they want for their cause. Well, Hong Kong is not supposed to be a Chinese colony, is it? Uh, no. <laughs> and uh, uh, Martin Lee and Margaret Ng. I don't know about others because I haven't uh, seen their charge sheets. But they were arrested for having organized and participated knowingly in uh, public, unauthorized public assembly uh, and march on the 18th of uh, August. Right. And you know as well as I do that on that day, it was reported that 1.7 million actually participated. Uh, on that day, as a matter of fact, no, no, that is notice of no objection, was uh, given by the Commission of Police for public assembly to take place in Victoria Park. Right. But 1.7 million cannot squeeze into Victoria Park. Therefore, people came and went. In fact, uh, uh, that was what happened. Now, uh, and also the public order ordinance, uh, Mike, you know it better than I do, that uh, it was uh, a sort of colonial relic, uh, archaic piece of law that uh, many have already criticized that that cannot sit well with uh, the two international governors protecting, protecting human rights and uh, freedom and also cannot sit well with our uh, uh, human rights uh, ordinance. Right, uh, so, so your answer is that this wasn't a civic or civil disobedience. This was an authorised assembly which kind of out, outgrew its permission. Well, I'm not saying that. Oh, uh, okay. The, the, Could, uh, because it was authorised for assembly but too many people turned up for the assembly. Oh, yes. But so far as that is concerned, I'm sure that that will be a point that uh, would exercise the mind right. of the judge hearing the case. But that is not the most important thing, 
The most important thing is why such mass arrests took place at this particular juncture in time, days after the two uh, central people's government's bodies issued statements on uh, Hong Kong matters, uh, telling legislators how to conduct their business, and also uh, giving praise to the Court of Appeal in uh, reversing the Court of First Instance in the uh, anti-mask regulation. Now, are they orchestrated acts to send a message to Hong Kong that, uh, oh, uh, Democrats as... Uh, uh, gentle, as uh, rational, as Margaret Ng and Martin Lee would be um, uh, arrested. So the 1.7 million who joined them on the 18th of March, dare you come out again uh, when uh, the anniversary of the anti-extradition uh, movement is coming up? This seems designed almost for pro-government candidates to lose the LegCo elections. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 uh, I don't know. You better talk some sense into Mr. Xi Jinping, <laughs> the president of the PRC. But uh, it is really unimaginable. Look at uh, the reaction from the international community, from professional community like the International Bar Association, like the Bar Association of uh, England and uh, of the UK, uh, England and Wales, and uh, look at uh, what the liberal democratic world, how they have responded. Right. I remember the public order ordinance has always been controversial, hasn't it? There were, we had that saga with fake news many years ago, and yeah. Governor David Wilson had to sort of reverse that. In the 80s, it was yeah. controversial, yeah. Uh, I mean, is it, is it just the police? Is it just the police being, um, doing their job, well, let's say, doing their job especially thoroughly? Um, because, I mean, we also had, you know, the, we also had uh, Carrie Lam last week, you know, calling for all sides to rally round and for yeah. calm and for, you know, putting aside differences and things like this, and then we get this you know, what many people would say is a fairly provocative kind of sweep, yeah. even kind of random sweep. Um, yeah. Maybe it's just the police? Maybe it's just Chris Tang doing his thing? No. Do you seriously suggest that? <laughs> you... or, or the Secretary well, for Justice doing her thing? Well, no. These things... Well, because as, as, as Mike said, and others, and even people like columnists like Alex Lowe and South China Morning Post have said, this is, this is not going to benefit... No one can see how this could possibly benefit the pro-establishment forces in, in Hong Kong. Well, uh, uh, I am not that naive. I was not born yesterday. Uh, how possibly could things as grave as these, which are sure to cause uh, reaction from liberal democratic world, to be decided just by this P.K. Tang or even... Uh, Carrie Lam. This must be a, uh, a tactic and strategy uh, decided upon right at the top in Zhongnanhai. Right? And, uh, well, in fact, for people who know uh, the CCP history will be able to tell that this is always how the CCP would react in situations that uh, 
are adverse to them and beyond uh, their ability to cope, they would whip up uh, patriotism, nationalism, maybe now xenophobia, uh, and, um, and blame it on. Uh, the CIA, MI5, MI6, who caused all these... It, it uh, would be MI6. Actually. MI6, not yeah, MI5. Not MI5. Yeah, I, I, I stand to be corrected, or sit to be corrected. <laughs> Good, thank you, Mike. <laughs> all right, so, and uh, then, then they will whip up this uh, public sentiment, uh, etc. On the other hand, an operation on this scale takes quite a lot of planning. So it, it wasn't as a direct result of those public statements were only, what, a couple of days before the arrest. Oh. It must have been something already yeah. in the works. Maybe they are, well, they have started preparing for these operations since the new director took office a few months ago. That's Mr. Luo. Yeah, Mr. Luo. Or the one in Beijing. Or, or, or yeah, the, the uh, who, what's his name? Ha, ha. Xia, Xia, Xia Bao Long, the director of the Hong Kong Macau office. They uh, are accepted generally as uh, Xi Jinping's men, uh, trusted allies of Xi Jinping. So, well, in fact, at one time, there were people in Hong Kong who thought that, well, might be uh, Xi Jinping is adopting a softening stance uh, over Hong Kong affairs uh, so that uh, the, the world will receive the message that the CCP uh, is not uh, beyond redemption and they can actually uh, be accepted once again into the rules-based game. The, I mean, the other thing is that, um, you know, with all due respect to <laughs> everybody present, that a lot of the arrests are people who are pretty old, frankly, and really kind of <laughs> completely irrelevant to, to what was happening. Uh, at the time, you know, Margaret and Martin Lee are not particularly, you know, they, they were pretty peripheral, really, to what was happening last year, weren't they? And I don't know if, I doubt if a lot of the people who were sort of leading the um, leading activities <laughs> could even identify them. Yeah. Uh, wh why were they sweeping up this old guard, frankly, who had their heyday 20 years ago? Well, uh, for the record, Martin is 81 and Margaret is 72. Hmm. Uh, I think 72 you... is not old. No, no not at all. That's why right? I said, you yeah. are still very young. Uh, yeah, I'll be 72 later this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, you, you made a, a very valid point here. You, you hit the nail on his head. I've been asking myself why and what is the message that uh, the Central People's Government is sending to the world. Uh, I think it is possible that uh, they... I mean, the CCP is now feeling uh, the pressure closing in from all sides. And particularly because of the coronavirus saga, uh, you, you obviously are aware that uh, uh, legal proceedings have been started both locally in uh, countries affected and also in uh, international arena like the UN and also the International Criminal Court. Uh, they, well, pursuing uh, China for um, damage, loss, suffered by victims of coronavirus. Based, of course, on, on the, uh, uh, un, well, no timely disclosure 
of the pandemic right, by the Chinese authority. That I understand to be the, the course of action from news reports. Now, so faced with such a dire situation, uh, the CCP will have to find a way out of it so that they can still uh, retain their political powers and control over the mainland. Now, so this is really, uh, well, I just touched on this moments ago, that they would uh, use this rhetoric uh, in similar situations before, that uh, all these would be uh, imperialism, uh, still chasing the dragon, and um, uh, whip up all these sentiments but, of but go back nationalism. But go back to Hugh's point. These are the, the democracy heroes of, of yesteryear. I mean, if people need a walking stick or a wheelchair to get into <laughs> court, this is not crushing the violent demonstrators. This is this is rounding old up scores, setting old scores, and 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 sort of ridding the uh, retirement homes of some of the occupants. I think I think those in power uh, really want to send a message to the moderates, uh, to those who are not uh, uh, prepared to uh, throw Molotov cocktails. Uh, in fact, uh, if you ask me, uh, Margaret and Martin are, of course, the most iconic figures of not only the democratic movement, but moderates of this movement who would uh, not want violence, etc. I think this profile um, represents the majority of the 1.7 million who participated in the march and assembly on 8 uh, on the, uh, I mean 18th of August so they want to send a, a, a chilling message I, I suppose that is the case okay. uh, all right well, as you know just point out you know the the 1.7 million was the organizers uh, estimate okay just some some uh, emails um, uh, Matthew says, Phil B, this is responding to Phil B's email, Phil B's suggestion that Martin Lee's underlying crime against Hong Kong and the CCP is being, quote, left-wing and idealistic, unquote, is firmly in George Orwell dystopian spin territory. Is not the CCP itself an organisation built of socialist left-wing ideals and are these roots not currently being enthusiastically recultivated by the most senior leadership in Beijing? Does it mean Chairman Xi is also at risk of being held accountable for having left wing ideals by Commissioner Zhang if he were to enter Hong Kong. Uh, Jalal says, uh, my feelings about the arrest of the pro-democracy leaders is mixed. I'm shocked that the DOJ and police would use their powers to arrest avowedly peaceful protesters. It can't be in the public interest to prosecute them. On the other hand, we've had years of failed attempts by the public to negotiate with the regime for change. The government have now indicated they aren't going to change unless compelled to do so. These arrests show we have graduated. The movement can now move to another stage. That comes uh, from Jalal. Derek says, I guess the government thinks now is the best time to arrest the Democrat leaders and start up the protests again. COVID numbers are down, the weather is getting warm, the police are rested, and the world is too busy to interfere. That's uh, Derek's take. 
Maxine says, the pandems are so predictable. As soon as the 15 were arrested, a chorus erupted condemning the reign of terror. What about the reign of terror the rest of us had to endure when rioters killed people, burnt a man alive, vandalised property and terrorised civilians? And the pandems were silent all that time. By failing to condemn this violence, they encouraged more of it. That comes uh, from Maxine. And uh, Matthew, in another email, says the behaviour of the CCP is becoming increasingly erratic and reducing to its true draconian nature in the last week or so as pressure mounts on it from all directions as a result of its own self-created disasters. It seems they're completely spooked by the triple threat of, one, losing control of LegCo if pan-Democrats win a majority in September, two, being called directly out by Trump and other world leaders for mishandling the Wuhan-originated virus, three, the prospect of an economic collapse and the resulting collapse of their mandate to rule. I hope everyone will register to vote by the May the 2nd deadline and have their say in the September LegCo election. That comes uh, from Matthew. What about the Article 22 uh, controversy, um, uh, Alan Lung? Um, uh, I mean, frankly, the, it's undeniable that the Hong Kong government has completely shifted its stance. I mean, there were documents <laughs> which were issued in 2017 yeah. to LegCo, which, which, you know, flat, which are... There's a document called Offices Set Up in the SAR under Article 22 of the Basic Law, and it's all the details of the liaison office. So, there's, I mean, flatly, they've completely changed their, their stance. What, what do you make of that? Well, what was impressive was that uh, the Hong Kong government changed its stance twice within six hours. Impressive. Uh, <laughs> and that shows how they have been... Uh, relegated to simply serving the Central People's Government's liaison office in Hong Kong or even uh, taking order directly from Xi Jinping. And, Alan, let me put something to you here because I, I yeah. think these issues are could be related. On the one hand, we have three different versions in, in six hours of what <laughs> Article 22 means. On the other hand, we have the politicians in the Hong Kong SAR government saying we must all come together now and uh, to fight the virus and get the economy going. And then suddenly you've got another faction of the government um, going out and arresting people in a very provocative way. It, is the Hong Kong SAR government, in fact, united? Or well, is... what do you say, Mike? I, I, I give you a resounding no. Of course not united. Right? How can it be united with uh, Carrie Lam at the helm? Uh, now... Uh, Perhaps time is running short. I, can I just make the point that uh, all the, the latest position taken by the Hong Kong SAR government that is uh, in the latest of the three uh, press statements is an impossible position to maintain. Uh, uh, besides what Hugh reminded us about uh, what the government ha said in 2017, uh, if I may draw attention 2007, to... I think. Uh, yeah, it was 2007. I think uh, 2007. Sorry, yeah. not 17. 2007. That's right. Yeah. Uh, 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 and also 1990, 1990 when it was promulgated repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that has always been our understanding. Now, if you look at uh, Part Two of the Basic Law, which uh, defines and provides uh, for the relationship between the central central authorities and the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region, you will find that Article. 13 provides for the establishment of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs uh, office in Hong Kong. Article 14 provides for the uh, People's Liberation Army uh, to be stationed in Hong Kong. So there are 
two specific articles in Part Two of the Basic Law, making provision for these other two uh, authorities. Now, nowhere in Part Two is found a specific provision for the liaison office, and therefore everybody assumes and quite reasonably so, that it will be included as a department of the central people's government uh, uh, within Hong Kong. Right? And Article 22 has repeatedly, uh, from the day of promulgation of the Basic Law in 1990 until as recently as 2007 and afterwards, uh, it, it, it was confirmed by the Hong Kong SAR government that uh, the liaison office is subjected to... Does that mean there's going to be a reinterpretation? Sorry? Is there going to be an interpretation? Well, if there's going to be an interpretation uh, being evidence of treachery and deceit, fine, let's, let's, let's see that. Uh, in fact, I, I, if I may just also make one point. In fact, in paragraph 2 of Article 22, it provides that... Uh, uh, no, no, sorry. Uh, paragraph 3. All offices set up in the Hong Kong SAR by departments of the central government or by provinces, autonomous regions, municipalities directly under the central government and the personnel, these offices shall abide by the laws of the region. Now... And paragraph 2 said, the setting up of officers in SAR, they must obtain the consent of the government of the region, that is Hong Kong government, and the approval of the Central People's Government. Now, you may remember, uh, both of you, uh, that uh, when Xinhua Agency was transformed into the liaison office in 1997, the change of name did have the approval of the Hong Kong SAR government. They, they, they actually uh, uh, consulted the Hong Kong SAR government mm. and obtained approval. Now that would, in my submission, uh, clearly an act within paragraph two of Article 22. Okay, well, we're, we're out of time. Alan Lung, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us this morning. Uh, Civic Party uh, Chairman. Uh, we'll be talking uh, more on uh, the politics and a little bit about COVID-19 as well. Uh, after the news at nine, uh, drop us a line, backchat.rthk.hk with your thoughts, your questions. Uh, the weather, mainly fine, hot during the day. Temperatures up to about 30 degrees, hot during the day. Tomorrow, cooler with rain in the middle and latter parts of this week. 26 degrees at the moment and the relative humidity is now at 85%. Around 50 fewer than the previous day. The rate of increase in new daily infections also halved. France also showed signs of making headway with slightly more coronavirus patients being discharged from hospital than coming in for treatment. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back, Bank Chat, this Monday morning with Mike Rouse and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking uh, politics primarily uh, this morning with the arrest of a group of uh, prominent uh, pan-democratic figures on Saturday and then the controversy over the applicability of uh, Article 22 to the Liaison Office in Hong Kong, Macau Affairs Office uh, in Hong Kong. We're also going to be talking a little bit about uh, COVID-19, the latest developments are there. Uh, as ever, you can email backchat at rthk.hk. We've got a lot of emails uh, on these on this, uh, 
political issues uh, to share. Uh, or you can always give us a call, 233-88266. Sam says, it's a long email, so I'll have to edit it, but Sam says, constitutional crisis or crisis in constitution. Basic laws apart, this land was handed over to the People's Republic of China by the British. There is no smoke, sons of fire. Commenced with peaceful protests that turned violent, militant, defiant and destructive unwanton destruction to personal property and the police looked on helplessly chorus of police brutality not aware of how real brutality that takes place elsewhere in the world police appear to have been patient after meticulous investigation and belief supported by video evidence have quietly turned tables on the big fish lees lies ungs quacks lambs and several others now the cries of violation of human rights fundamental rights china interference echoing some of the very same arrestees who were the people who externalized the situation is it time for the pla to beef up the understaffed hong kong police to enable them to carry their duties has anyone country been given the opportunity to be world policemen or to dictate democracy democracy to one country may not be the same for uh, another uh, with COVID-19, the world partially paralysed, it will be left to see how the game is played out as it has come to the surface and to a point of no return. That comes from Sam. Drake says, let us welcome the liaison office, not department, to the list of basic law reinterpreters. And we would like to congratulate them for setting a new record in reinterpretation to two days. Uh, Toby, who is a policeman, says, uh, what uh, evidence does Alan Lung, who was our guest in the first part of the programme, have that the police action was coordinated or ordered by the liaison office, not his suspicions or wild, baseless conspiracy theories, but actual evidence that he would be able to produce uh, in court. That comes uh, from Toby, as I say. Uh, Peter M says, The arrests of the veteran pro-democracy leaders over the weekend can only be one of two things to my mind. One, another hugely misjudged gamble that the pro-democracy camp will be forced into submission by heavy-handed policing. Or two, a deliberate attempt to provoke the more activist wing into even greater violence so that the mainland government can justify its interference and a crackdown, which will result in a suspension of LegCo and, in effect, one country, two systems. Carrie Lam seems content for her legacy to be a total failure, to be accountable to the people of Hong Kong and the ruination of Hong Kong as we know it. That's from Peter M. Uh, e says, tying together, one, the arrests this weekend of leading democracy activists, and two, the confusing government statements about Article 22, and three, the government statement about the independence of the prosecutions in Hong Kong in Article 63. Does it mean that any possible involvement by the Central Liaison Office and the Hong Kong Macau Services in prosecution decisions would not legally be interference under the basic law? Uh, and Professor Carol Peterson, who we spoke to also last week, um, says um, the arrest this past weekend and the barrage of statements on Article 22 create a dangerous situation. Perhaps the timing was just a coincidence, but it almost appears to be a deliberate attempt to provoke more protests and violent clashes with the police. I hope that Hong Kong people will not take the bait. It would be better if they stay home, stay calm and avoid behaviour that would give the government an excuse to cancel elections or disqualify pro-democracy candidates. Violent protests could also give Beijing an excuse to declare a state of emergency pursuant to Article 18 of the Basic Law and implement national laws in Hong Kong. Stay off the streets, but register to vote. That's from uh, Professor Peterson. S says, I thought the government was impartial to law and judiciary matters, but then we get a statement from the government and then it reinterpreted the same statement twice, says F. Mike. Uh, yes. Oh, I think we welcome on the second half uh, Michael Tian. Good morning, Michael. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, sir. <laughs> Michael, 
three statements in six hours. Are we talking about virus or politics or what? We're talking politics, and and we seem to find that there's an overlap between the interpretations of Article 22 of the Basic Law and the arrest of the 15 uh, pandemocrats. Um, Let's let's start with the Basic Law. Three statements in, in six hours is something of a world record, isn't it? Somewhat years after the uh, handover, we are now trying to figure out what Article 22 uh, means, which uh, I guess uh, must be a surprise to a lot of Hong Kong people. Uh, personally, I think myself and a lot of other Hong Kong people were always under the impression that the liaison office uh, would belong to the group uh, mentioned in Article 22. Uh, however, I mean, but also, I mean, the, the, you know, the administration had had that written down. Is it submitted, you know, papers to to Legco saying that yeah, very? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't yeah, just yeah. an impression. Yeah, yeah. That was if you look, if black you and look white. At the uh, government making three uh, announcements. I think the first one is similar to what I'm saying, right? Yes. And uh, which has always been their line, and which is really our common understanding. However, uh, the last 24 hours, I have some. Uh, a constitutional legal expert who participated in the basic law drafting, who highlighted the fact that if you look at the uh, central government's uh, organization chart uh, under the state council, uh, you really cannot find the liaison office nor the Hong Kong Macau Affair Office, which is something that I guess I never really look into. Okay? So, technically, if you look at the, all the departments and sub-departments and whatnot under the state council, you cannot find these two names. So then they argue that uh, these two are not included in uh, the Article 22 listing. But to me, to me, what I want to say is let's look at Article 22, what it says. It says that those departments should not interfere with Hong Kong internal matters. Okay? So Let's think further as to if you do belong to one of these departments, okay, what can you comment and what should you not be commenting? I think Article 22 actually infer that if it's about national security, about implementation of the basic law, about paralyzing LegCo so it basically cannot function anymore, even if you are a department listed under Article 22, you uh, are allowed to, you know, uh, say something. Now, whether saying something constitutes interference, that's, of course, everybody has a different opinion. Okay, so that's a key point. Okay? So because of that, all right, uh, if... Well, 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 sorry, no, but is the chair... Sorry, is the chairmanship of of a House committee in the Legislative Council that... Sounds to me like a, a purely internal matter. That's not. That's nothing to do with foreign affairs yes. or defence. Hugh, Hugh, you, you really bring up a very good point. If you look at what happened in Lechko, uh the whole idea of Lechko, the existence of Lechko are only two functions: to approve funding requested by government, and to scrutinising bills and laws that government wants to put into law. Okay. The second part requires everything to go through the House. So if government wants to introduce a new bill, if there's no House committee, it will never happen. 
More than that, if a bill had gone through the House and had formed a bills committee and had passed through the bills committee, which right now there is a bill uh, about the maternity leave being extended, okay, that has passed the bill committee, ready to come back to the House, then go back to the council to be put into law. That is now being put on hold. These are all internal things for Hong Kong, aren't they? Okay, 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 that's right, that's right. And then you have the National Anthem Bill, which also has been passed through the Bills Committee, waiting to go to the House Committee to go up to council and be passed into law. The National Anthem, arguably, is not something that is totally internal, okay? So if you think about it, paralyzing the House Committee actually meant paralyzing half of let's go's function because all the bills come to a stop. Now, there's a big difference between filibustering and not even enable the filibuster procedure to start. I have no problem with filibustering. Now, if the liaison office or whoever else come out and comment that we should not be filibustering, I actually would have problems with that. Okay? Filibustering is part of people disagreeing with something. Okay, and at the end, you have the chairman deciding to draw a line, and then we go to a vote. But not being able to even start the discussion, all right, is a totally different matter. Now, all this is assuming you are part of the department listed under Article 22, right? Okay, let's come back to that. So to me, it is actually quite critical whether the liaison office is indeed part of those departments. Now, if... Uh, uh, liaison office is not part of Article 22, that would then infer that they can actually really comment on everything, right? Because nowhere in basic law does it state that any uh, national department that is not part of the Article 22, whether they are restricted to say anything or not. Now, that's my worry. So, to me, it is important to figure out, or at least Everybody has a consensus whether the Aiden office is part of Article 22. But when I look up the chart, indeed, it is not on the organization chart, which then would infer that they could comment on all kinds of matters. So, so the liaison office could be could be running RTHK or the post well, office, well, or well, could well, be well, could well, be doing well, anything, okay. could be doing anything, no, no, any no. internal issue at all. Okay, now let's step back a little bit. What is the liaison office doing today is making comment. Okay? So the question is... It was doing, it, doing a bit more than that, Michael. It tells LegCo members how to vote and whether or not they need to attend and things like that. Mike, Mike, can we be a little bit more, step back a little bit, okay? Mm -hmm. The liaison office has no absolute power to do anything, okay? It can make comments, okay? But making comments is one thing. All right? Having the power to interfere and do something is something else. I am not advocating that uh, they, since they are only making comments, they really should be able to comment on everything. Okay? So, in other words, in this particular issue, there are several aspects we need to deal with. Okay? Paralyzing the House Committee, is it a national concern? That's the first thing. Secondly, if uh, the liaison office is not part of the 22. Can they then comment on everything that's happening in Hong Kong? And thirdly, 
if they start commenting on everything, does anybody have to listen? Okay, uh, Jay on an email makes a similar kind of point. Uh, he says, uh, can anyone uh, define at what point a comment becomes interference? At what point is it that a sovereign power making comment about one of its territories becomes interference? And why doesn't the sovereign power have an actual right to make uh, a comment? Uh, and John says, John Sai Kung says, I thought the government was just incompetent, but it's worse than that. It appears to the layperson is not working together and is suffering from severe schizophrenia, says is John Sai Kung. What, what about the issue of, of, of the arrests, uh, Michael Tin? Um, is there a what's going on there? Do you think that that's, that's da- is, da- is that down to the administration? Is that down to the police? Okay. Is that down to the liaison office or what? The way I look at uh, police making arrests and government prosecuting, okay, there's no no-win game. If you don't do it, people say you're too soft. If you do it, people say you're too hard. As far as I'm concerned, Hong Kong is. Uh, a place uh, where everybody goes by the rule of law, all right? If the government starts arresting people and the Department of Justice never prosecute them, this government cannot function. It will lose all its credibility. If the uh, uh, Department of Justice prosecute all those that's arrested and then they lose the case in the court, similar situation will happen. The government will lose its credibility. So when they make arrests, they have to think clearly whether they will prosecute. If they make a whole bunch of arrests and never end up prosecuting, it's going to be a big uproar in the community. If they end up prosecuting and they lose 90% of the cases, okay, right. whoever CJ needs to step down, right? Well, Correct? Nobody slaps uh, down for no, making no, mistakes, do they? No, SJ. I don't, mean, no, I don't mean CJ, SJ, right? Yes. So they have to be very sure and clear what is it that they're doing? Now, if they prosecute all those that they arrest and their conviction rate is high, then as far as I'm concerned, what's wrong? Yes. Then the court decides. Isn't it going to... Problem? Isn't there going to be a political blowback, though? No, I don't know. I mean, to me, law is law. Right. All right? If they prosecute a lot and convict very few, politically, they really have a serious problem. But they have the right to do that. As long as the court, as long as we believe in the judiciary and the court, is what I'm saying. Mm. If one day Hong Kong people don't even believe in the court anymore, then I don't know what to say. Do you think that the police then should arrest uh, and charge uh, the, what, million people who went on that march? <laughs> uh, so far they've arrested, what, 7,000? That's no, all no, that's the demonstrations. Yeah. Do you think that if that was an illegal march, they should arrest everyone who went on it? No. If they arrest everyone who go on it, how many will they prosecute? If they end up letting everybody off, what's the point of doing it? How much? All this. But those people what, what, broke the law. If those people, if we, if we assume that those people took part in an unauthorized assembly well, and broke well, the law, then they the should police, be, according okay, to Chris no, Tang's logic, the, they should be arrested. Exactly. Exactly. So if they should the be arresting police, a million people, perhaps. You don't arrest anybody that you consider breaking law if you don't have evidence. They should arrest those that they have evidence enough to prosecute. Well, they took, film, they took films of everybody. Well, then, then arrest and mm. prosecute. And don't arrest and not prosecute. And, of course, you've got the comment that we had from a listener. What would happen if all the people who took part actually now surrendered themselves at their nearest police station so that... 
assuming that most people don't want to do that, if a, a small percentage, say 50,000 or 60,000, fronted up at the police station today and say, I've come to surrender myself because um, I took part, uh, then, what, then what are we going to have? Well, I'm not an expert into uh, <laughs> how to deal with surrendering. <laughs> I'm I, sure I, they have their own, they have their own series of protocol. But, but my point is very simple. The police and the Department of Justice have to strike a balance, all right? I am against police making a lot of arrests and don't prosecute. On the other hand, uh, if they have enough evidence, they should arrest and they should go through with the right. prosecution and they should believe that there's chance of conviction. And then they judge then justice, by the re then result. Then justice is being served, right. and I'm totally for it. Okay. Well, Michael Tin, thanks very much indeed for, for joining us, the Roundtable uh, legislator. Uh, also with us, Dr. Pan Pei Cho, former vice chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of, of Trade Unions. Dr. Pan, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, we, we asked you on originally to talk about COVID-19 and the, and the public health measures, but uh, we've been to some extent kind of overtaken by events. So uh, just okay. like, I mean, uh, you, you're also, you know, a, a, a politician, a legislator. What, what, what's your take on, on, first of all, on the arrests, on, on, on that, the controversy over the arrests? Do you think it was a selective prosecution, um, you know, the, uh, choosing these 15? Uh, do you think that's relevant? Uh, what do you make of it? Well, I think um, uh, I say uh, I think we Hong Kong we have the rule of law, right? So uh, I trust the police were were acting uh, under the say the authority and uh, uh, that uh, granted by our laws, right, uh, to make those arrests. Uh, so if they think that, that there's a case, then they make an arrest. So I think as simple as that. And whether. Uh, say uh, these people are, are really guilty, and uh, how did, if they were found guilty, what, what sort of uh, uh, sentencing uh, will be left to our courts? I think we we do have a lot of confidence in our in our courts. Right. What what, what uh, about Mr. Michael Tien's point that, in fact, if there is evidence and the and the police don't act, and the Department of Justice doesn't authorize prosecution, the government's displaying weakness, and then. On the other hand, if they rush through with large numbers of cases where there turns out there are not convictions, very mild sentences, they also lose credibility. Well, these are uh, questions uh, that, uh, that, that uh, has not happened yet, right? because we don't right. know whether the police have uh, actually uh, looked into, the, say, the level of evidence before making those arrests. I think from the track record of our police force, I think they... Usually they do quite a lot of work on that one, right? make sure that uh, yes. they have a case, right, and that uh, uh, these uh, cases will be prosecuted, right. So I, I presume that they, they are working according to their experience. Right, and the Department of uh, Justice must have yeah. given the go-ahead. Um, I don't know, right. <laughs> this, this, again, is a, is a, a, a presumption, right. I, I, well, I tend to believe that this is the case, right. The second issue about, say, if a lot of people turning up, right, to, uh, say, to report that they have uh, committed this crime, right, or for joining an illegal uh, demonstration, I think this is something, if this really happens, then this is something to be encouraged, right? I think everyone who has uh, done something uh, against the law, uh, the best thing really is to, to, to turn up and report that they have done so, right? Now, as regarding how the police is going to handle that, 
uh, if a large number of people say, uh, say 50,000 or something like that. Uh, what, what if it was a million? Are you going to put a million out? people in jail? No, no, no. no. I, so a million people is, uh, I think, from what we know, right, is not a number, a number that has been verified. Okay, right? well, I think the police said around okay, 150,000. That would do. Okay, now, They'd have to take okay. caution statements, wouldn't they? Okay, now, can I, can I say this, right? If, say, a lot of people turn up, I think this, again, how to uh, say, uh, go about recording these people, setting those people's ambitions, uh, uh, right, and uh, to take evidence will be leave to the police force to decide, right? Uh, so they, they may have to use additional resources to do so or whatever, right, uh, whatever means, right? Or it may take a long time, say a few years, to complete the process. I think there is a process, right, and I think uh, justice can be done, right, uh, we give, uh, if we allow them the time. Okay. Uh, and what about the Article 22 uh, controversy? Uh, it, it was the government's understanding that the liaison office uh, was uh, one of those departments referred to in Article 22. They seem to have changed okay. that stance. What, what do you make of that? Okay. I, I really don't have any expertise on, on that, right? but all I can say is that from my own uh, impression, right, from my own impression that... Uh, the central liaison office uh, is, uh, we have, uh, I mean, I have long regarded as a representative of the central government directly, right, in Hong Kong, right? It's only that in the last, say, uh, 20 years, uh, in the first 20 years after, uh, say, uh, the return of Hong Kong to, to China, that uh, uh, the office has kept a very low profile, right? So, uh, say, doing a lot of uh, liaison work for like people who want to communicate or get in touch with uh, the mainland or to, uh, to, to get into, uh, say, uh, official or, or unofficial, say, organizations and bodies. So they do a lot of work on that, right? Uh, and uh, so I think that um, uh, in my own impression, I don't think it is... Uh, uh, say uh, 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 office set up by a subsidiary of the of the central government. It it is it represents the central government here, right? So the we have long regard. I've long regarded the uh, the the person in charge of the central liaison officer as uh, uh, in terms of authority. I mean, uh, he is uh, uh, say in part with our chief executive in Hong Kong. Only that he does not exert uh, the administrative uh, duty here. That, that's my understanding. Yeah. Okay. So we, we we have got a we've got a f quite a lot of emails uh, on, on the topic on, on the political topic. But um, since you're here and since we invited you to talk about COVID COVID nineteen, okay. you're uh, medically trained. Uh, just uh, your thoughts on uh, uh, also as uh, you know your role in the in, in the FTU. Uh, what are your thoughts? You know, there, there is some pressure uh, to uh, relax restrictions, um, uh, public health restrictions uh, in Hong Kong, given the the low, very no, low number of. Yeah. Practically zero, frankly, of of, of infections. Um, do you think that uh, now is the time to loosen things up a little bit? Uh, well, I, I think that, say, uh, as a medical person, I, I would say that, uh, say, while our say the, the we, we are getting on top of the of the COVID nineteen uh, infection in Hong Kong. Our economy is now in ICU, right? So, so that's a very um, Critical situation, and uh, I think that um, something has to be done, right, uh, to uh, say, uh, uh, I mean, revive our economy. Right. Um, 
But I think from our experience is that I think Hong Kong people have done a great job, right? Um, the government has played a part, our academics and also the local, most important of all, each and every one of us right, have done a lot right, to, uh, to help uh, control this, uh, this uh, uh, infection. So I think that uh, from, from experience over the last couple of, month, uh, couple of months, I think the, actually some of the activities are less risky, right? So I think that if, uh, I mean, in Hong Kong, we are so crowded, it's virtually impossible to keep social distance uh, to the same degree as uh, people in uh, America and uh, in Europe. Uh, but nevertheless, we managed to have very low the infection rate. I think this has something to do with our good habit of putting on a mask uh, in the public and also to, say, uh, uh, wash our hands and uh, uh, keep ourselves clean. Right? I think that these measures are very important. So I think the first thing is to loosen up those activities that does not involve uh, taking off the mask and eat and drink uh, in close proximity, right? Uh, and so, so these are the things that we can gradually loosen up. The second thing is now uh, for people to have social gathering. I think nowadays the restaurants are doing very well. Uh, they, uh, I know I'm, I'm, they're doing a good job, right, in the, say, setting up petitions, right, and, uh, and things like that. Or some even have uh, transparent plastic boards right, between uh, customers. So I think these things have been effective. Otherwise, the, the infection rate wouldn't be so, so low, almost negligible, right? So this should be widely introduced, and also um, the government should arrange, say, academics to work with uh, people in uh, specific uh, uh, occupations and trades so to see what's the best way to, to help them to go on with their business, to, uh, to continue daily, uh, to with their normal uh, activities, but at the same time, to implement measures where they can uh, minimize infection. So I think there's, some, there's a lot of work that can be done in that respect. Right. Because I noticed a number of the European countries are already tiptoeing mm. in this uh, direction, saying, OK, yes. one of them is even allowing the children to go back to school. Um, mm. I think that's Denmark. But, um, but, but other, other areas, they are beginning to loosen up a little bit, always subject to the proviso that... You can clamp mm. down again if if there is a sudden spurt, a sudden spike in the yes. in the number of infections. Yes, exactly. I think we have to do it very cautiously, right, and uh, step by step, right. So uh, yeah, I'm, start I'm, with the less the, the least risky uh, activities. Right. I, I wish they'd open the the gymnasiums and the swimming pools. Speaking from a personal point of view, but the um, I, I think it's, the, the people are going to burst sooner or later. It, it, it's it's a pressure right. cooker right. and mental yes, health yes. issues. Yes, I totally agree with you. Yes, yeah, it's a, it has been a very difficult period of time. Uh, I mean, yesterday I was on the, uh, say, along Tolo Harbour, the cycling, right? There's a lot of people there, uh, really a lot of people. I haven't seen that many people uh, in the past. So I think people are really uh, longing to, to, to go out and to, uh, to work out or whatever. Right. 
Well, Pan Peter, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Dr. Pan, former Vice Chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of Trade Unions and uh, a legislator. Okay, there's emails. Uh, Martin says, uh, as interesting as it is to hear comment on the arrest last Saturday of major and elderly figures of the democratic movement, may I ask whether this comment contravenes the law of contempt of court in Hong Kong? As far as I know, it's contempt of court to publish anything, including broadcast, which implies that an arrested person is guilty or innocent or implies either guilt or innocence with attribution to different sources. In this respect, many sources, including the pro- and anti-democratic supporters and even the police and Chinese Foreign Affairs Committee comment may be seen as guilty of contempt. In this case, the rule of law in Hong Kong is already on the slide, it seems, if allowed unchallenged. That's uh, Martin's uh, comment. Mark T says, I look forward to one country, two systems continuing beyond 2047. How do the pandemics and Alan Lung see the future beyond 2047? Uh, Veronica says the commissioner of police, Chris Tangping Lung, is an embarrassment. How is he able to order his men to arrest an 81-year-old man but is unable or unwilling to deal with people who persistently break the law with impunity? I refer to the illegal parking, particularly in Central. That's uh, from uh, Veronica. And um, G says, with the subject line, turn yourself in, will all drivers who park illegally and stop in yellow box junctions or straddle pedestrian crossings please turn themselves in we cannot permit this widespread defiance of the law uh, it comes uh, from uh, G. Uh, Drake says, one top of the effects of prosecutions over government's credibility, we have a group of lawless government supporters uh, who would never be arrested, whatever they do. And Phil C says, this is a reminder to Phil B, who I think we had the first email this morning. Phil C says to Phil B, you restrict the definition of social values as is convenient to fit your narrow, preformed views. If one to two million of the SAR co-citizens are marching frequently, you can safely assume that some social value is being compromised, stroked imperiled by the government. Just common sense, such a large force would not develop on a whim. Though you may not want to believe it, the values of Hong Kong society are not dictated by the CCP, the NPC, the Politburo, the Hong Kong police, the basic law, the SAR's foolish and morally bankrupt government, yourself or myself. They are determined collectively by the citizens. Your view is particularly foolish because all these arrests will achieve is to deepen the divide in Hong Kong society. Has continued use of the whip and the stick been useful to quell dissent in the SAR? We've gone from Occupy in 2014 to firebombings 1920, so it appears not. As invariably demonstrated or his or her past submissions, Phil B opposes anyone who does not align 100% with the establishment. Die in the wool curmudgeon or China-funded China troll, uh, asks uh, Phil C. Thank you very much indeed for those. Uh, thank you very much to uh, uh, everyone. Let's uh, One more email. This is from John in Saikung. Hi, he says, from Mr Tin. Correct me if I'm wrong, assuming logical and chronological work, the, people are, the police are arresting people for an event in August, which means they have skipped over the July Yun Long event. So we assume there is no evidence to arrest those people that participated in beating MTR passengers uh, in Yun Long. Right? That comes from John in Saikung. Kong, thank you very much in, indeed for that. Thank you to our producer and researcher, uh, Michelle and Mike. Many thanks to you. The weather, mainly fine, hot, temperatures up to 30 degrees, 26 degrees now, humidity 82%. To fight the virus together, we must protect ourselves and others and reduce social contact. Stay at home as far as possible. Avoid social gatherings and don't go to crowded places. Work from home if feasible. Don't shake hands with others. We should also avoid meal gatherings. Let's adopt these